Welcome to the Super Nintendo Exploration Squad Podcast, Episode 29, a select button, select button, Gaiden podcast. Fuck. Every week we select three games at random and you get to vote on which one we play, except for this time and every third time as well, in which uh, we have one of our hosts or uh, guests or previous guests pick a game. Yay! So this time we're playing uh, Ganpare Goemon 2, Kitaretsu Shogun fucking Mag- Magnus. Christ. Uh, pick- it's McGuinness, technically. McGuinness, okay. McGuinness, picked by Sakurina. Hello, Sakurina. Uh, and we'll be discussing it using the four standardized metrics for scoring a video game, which are, of course, vanity, gun, investigation, and revelation. I am your host, Virtual Clint, and today I'm joined by... Automatic Tiger. Hello, I'm Sakurina. Hi, uh, this is Shrug. Yeah. Drug. I'm Bachelor, maker of the greatest game of all time, DDD to natural playboys, and the world's uh, newest, hottest gunpla enthusiast. No gods or kings, only DDD. And I am Telpa. I have traveled thousands of miles to be here right now. I hope you're all happy. And. I just want to add, uh, which as Clint forgot to mention, uh, if you think our Explorer's Choices, uh, our Explorer's Choice games suck, then you should back our Patreon and choose your own games, and then you can make us play whatever you want us to play. Hell yeah. Yeah, if you think our Explorer's Choices suck, you can pay us. All right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so today we played Ganbari Goemon 2. It was a, it's a Japan only half beat em up platformer, half delirious minigame collection. It's all over the fucking place. Uh, it was released in late 1993. It was like December 23rd or something. It's a sequel to what was known in the US and uh, Europe as Legend of the Mystical Ninja. I think the next game we saw was Legend Mystical Ninja 64. But anyway, uh, I was developed and published by Konami, a an obscure pachinko manufacturer. Um, Sakurina, you chose this game. Why? Why'd you do that? So I've been a music game fan for like 12, 13 years now, something like that. So I have a lot of experience with Konami in general. And um, in fact, the Bimani line of video games has been out for 20 years this year. Um, and early on, they used to feature songs from Kojima production games or arcade shmups as sort of like cross promotion for other Konami games. Um, and what I find really interesting is across that 20 year history, Goemon has only showed up twice in uh, any Bimani game at all, or at least the arcade releases. Um, and so I know a lot of arcane Konami trivia because of this fascination with music games um but i never really knew anything about going on as a series so i wanted to learn more about it and a couple of years ago on an episode of hinge problems rudy which is unfortunately not here for this episode um said that there were basically only two Goemon games that were worth checking out. There was Goemon 2 on the Super Nintendo, and there was the N64 Goemon. And so that's why I picked it, because I wanted to learn about Goemon. So I have no previous experience with this game. It's just that I wanted to play it. So I chose it for the podcast, and hopefully other people enjoyed it as well. 
Oh, yeah, I enjoyed what I played of this game, which unfortunately was not very much thanks to issues. Uh, but yeah, I did ask everybody to play an hour. Uh, how long did you play in, and how far did you get in this game? Uh, I think I played like six-ish hours of it. Maybe not six, but like uh, somewhere three to six hours. And I think I'm about halfway through if the game FAQ I was reading can be believed. I played it for pretty much exactly an hour. I probably the same. I wasn't really keeping track of time. Look, I'm chronically massively depressed and lose all track of things and put things off until the last minute. I put this off until the last four hours. You did your best, go on. And I got really obsessed with playing the first-person mech boxing section in a very particular way. So I poured lots of time into that. And yeah. Yeah. Go, go, Amon. I played for about an hour and a half. And uh, I would have kept playing more. I did watch two episodes of the anime. So let's say I spent about four hours playing this because anime time is different from like game playing time. <laughs> it's much, much, feels much longer to me. It's much more difficult to watch an anime than to play a game. I played, I think, exactly an hour and a half, maybe exactly an hour. I don't know, but I streamed it. And uh, yeah, I was not good at the game. But that was all part of my special speed run where I kept death warping to the beginning of each stage. <laughs> I I played a shockingly short forty minutes or so. Uh, I I'm moving, so we had disassembled my computer uh, to clean up the office and repaint a couple of the walls. And uh, I was playing on my GPD Win, which is like a little handheld computer. And for some fucking reason, after about forty minutes. Uh, my emulator started slowing to a crawl, to like an unplayable crawl, and I have no idea why. It always seems to struggle with the most random shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I didn't get to play it as much as I wanted to. I got about, I got past the first mecha fight. I got another stage, got to the second town where they wouldn't let me go through. I assume I have to complete the other stage. I don't know. And then I was like, I can't fucking deal with this anymore and turned it off. All right. Cool. So, yeah, it, but I, I am glad you recommended this game because I've never played a Goemon game at all. Um, and, yeah, this is is incredible. But, of course, we'll get into that. Uh, and we'll start with our first topic, which is, as always, well, not always, vanity. Um, and this game has a lot going on. Vanity wise, there are so many things to talk about. But what do people think of the vanity in this game? Just uh, it. This game is gorgeous, and it just keeps throwing new stuff at you. Just everything is so lovingly detailed and well animated and brightly colored. It really is. I thought it was very historically accurate. That too. <laughs> You know, when I first jumped in to that walking fish robot that shot weird energy balls at my enemies, I thought, this is really history. At the uh, samurai rabbits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are Sheeran rabbits. 
Sengoku era term for them. Shiden rabbits. Furiously Googling this. I'm glad someone knows what they're talking about. Um, what's actually pretty interesting about this game is it's sort of the turning point in the Goemon series from what I can understand. Uh, before, they were like doing a comedic take on actual historic events but that were era-appropriate. And this game is based off of non-era-appropriate historical events and so have other games in the series since then. So that's why they're really goofing off uh, on this stuff. Like, um, Technically, the story revolves around uh, 19th century Japan and how the Americans visited and Commodore Perry uh, decided to open up the country of Japan. It's apparently based on that story. I don't know anything about Japanese history, so I can't go any further than that. I just know that this is a thing that is referred to a lot in Japanese pop culture and that they sort of built a parody game of this event. uh, And that's pretty much what we've got here. And basically it established the art style for future games. So is Commodore Perry the one in the rabbit outfit? Well, I watched uh, this great documentary about the history of Japan called Robot Carnival. And uh, when they did uh, a short about uh, Japan in the 19th century, it did feature two giant robots fighting each other. Uh, around the turn of the century, it was Japan versus America in giant robot form. So I I will just attest to the accuracy of this game. I watched a great documentary called The Last Samurai. And (laughs) in it, Tom Cruise, I think he's an alcoholic. Yeah, I mean, but what happens in the movie? And then he barfs. He's an alcoholic. He barfs into the gas tank of a giant Tom Cruise robot. <laughs> and that's the special fuel that it needs to chase a fish plane. I think you might be thinking of Back to the Future too, where you they Tom Cruise barfed into a giant robot, but then it, it chased the Biff plane that was shaped like a fish for some reason. But I, I can see why you get it confused, because there is that sequence in The Last Samurai where he just vomits for 12, 12 minutes. I think there's just a, a sequence where he throws up for 12 minutes. So, yeah, it makes sense. And then he looked, but then he looks upon the rice patties and goes, that's kind of pretty. And it detoxes him. And it's over. He doesn't need booze anymore. Mm-hmm. And then there's an after, a post-credit scene where he says... Oh, so I was the last samurai. And then his head falls off. I mean, Tom Cruise was definitely a, had to be like at least a cyborg in that movie because he was the only samurai who was bulletproof. All the other samurai died from like one bullet and he took like 70. <laughs> I've never seen this movie. <laughs> Fuck. Um. <laughs> There's one interesting scene in that movie. You see... <laughs> video games. Um, <laughs> the, the video games parasite has taken Shrug back over. Um, so, yes, this story is about Shogun Maganess, which is sometimes stylized as General McGinnis, who intends to westernize the entirety of Japan, who I think is wearing a bunny onesie. I think that's him. I don't know why, though. I think that's his lieutenant. Ah, Lieutenant Bun Bun. That's weird. I, I I was baffled by this game, but not not like 
like uh mechanically which we'll get to but like just so things just kept happening and i'm like what the fuck is going on <laughs> but, if you play long enough does emperor meiji appear yes cool <laughs> oh there's general mcginnis he's got a big scar over his eye he's got blonde hair he's got a weird mustache and a huge huge head his head is huge this is speculation because I cannot speak Japanese. I would guess, though. I mean, he looks like a general. He he looks like Hulk Hogan. He does. Oh, oh my god, yes. Which makes perfect sense because I believe Hulk Hogan was actually uh, there in Japan during the Meiji uh, Restoration era. <laughs> yeah, that, that's when he fought The Undertaker in Pride. <laughs> um, when MMA started. Mm-hmm. He's got Hulk Hogan has got five uh, onesie bunny onesie angry men behind him. So I'm guessing you were fighting a different one in each boss fight, which is cool. Every level of this has seemingly unique everything. Like some of the sprites are obviously reused because you have to use some enemies more than once. But like there's so many things going on in the background. There's so many things like new sprites. Every level that I got to at least had a new sort of vehicle. I mean, it was magnificent. Um, it reminded me of, uh, I guess, unsurprisingly, uh, Parodius, um, which uh, also Konami, another one of their uh, non-Pachinko related things. And uh, yeah, just just the fact that every level had so much stuff and all of it was very like, I don't understand what this is parodying, but I really, really like it. The I didn't understand what was happening because obviously I can't read any of the text. So I had no idea what was going on when he blew that shell. I knew he got it from a very angry seeming old man, but you know, he, he does the, the robot sumo match, which is wonderful. And then the bunny suited guy escapes possibly to report to emperor Meiji. Sure. Uh, and then he blows the conch shell and a giant, some orbs crash into the frame to grab him like he was saved by orbs and then this new theme kicks in and i thought what is this kamen raider shit so obviously they struck the right note i had no idea he was getting into a giant robot and this whole transformation opening credits sequence happens that doesn't ever quite show you the entire thing until finally you get like a full frame of going on in a going on robot but if you're an idiot like me you maybe don't realize this is what's happened yet until you are in a side-scrolling sequence where you're a gigantic robot crashing through buildings mostly gig tiny little buildings Kind of little like military buildings that belong like 40 years later in time. Not like the robot, which is totally period appropriate. <laughs> and various shmup buildings, you have a giant version of your pipe you can smack things with. Just, it's just, uh, it's wonderful. Uh, you love it so much. I do love the giant version of my pipe. 
Yeah, yeah, I like having a giant version of my pipe. Like, <laughs> like I guess, like just to kind of Wait, give was that an innuendo. Sorry, I, 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 I'm still jet lagged. Please explain all your innuendos to me. Oh, I don't even know what that word means. I'm not sure either. I think it's a type of uh, uh, mountain rodent. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think I think they're talking about. Um... The Hulkamaniacs, thirty-inch pythons. <laughs> His arms. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm told it resembles a thermos. Thanks to Gawker, <laughs> the video I still haven't seen that not a single podcast listener has sent me. How can someone's biceps resemble a thermos? <laughs> they must be implants. Oh, uh, God. Uh, they could do that thing that Popeye does where every time Popeye flexes, he creates shapes in his biceps. Beautiful. Yeah, that, that sounds about right for Hulk Hogan. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so... I'm an artist, brother. Um, <laughs> I guess uh, the other thing to talk about, I don't. I, I feel like I, maybe I should have started with gun on this one because there's so much mechanically going on. It's hard to talk about how it looks like without digging into that. But there's so many different things that you're doing. Like you're, you know, you're doing these platforming sections where you're walking around as one of three characters. You've got uh, Goemon who smacks people with a pipe. You've got his creepy uncle. I, I don't know who that is, uh, who smacks people with a fan. And then another character who's this weird little bald babyish looking character uh, who I throws knives. Emperor Meiji. That's Emperor Meiji. Um, and uh, and yeah, so the, and there's a lot of different sprite work for all of these characters, um, because you not only are you seeing them in the platforming sections, you're seeing them in cutscenes, you're seeing them in uh, the overhead thing maps you're seeing them from behind in the mech sections there are mech sections um just a lot of work done on on that the, the graphics are are so colorful um there's lots and lots of color going on it is not a dull looking game and lots of cutscenes, uh full screen things happening all the fucking time <laughs> like it's it's shocking every every minute of this game shocked me and i only played for like 40 minutes but i was just like what the fuck it's amazing it's amazing but what about that music, though? <laughs> it's so good. Um, I also noticed that one of the level themes in Area 2 appeared to be a parody of a television theme for a show called Shoten, which is a... Uh, it, it tries to emulate like an older era of comedy, which is perfectly appropriate for Goemon. Uh, and Shoten has popped up a couple times in other Konami games, like it's been in Poppin' Music, and I think it was in some platformer on the Famicom as well. Like they ported it in there for God knows what reason. So I guess somebody at Konami really likes Shoten and snuck a reference to it in there. That's great. <laughs> I feel like there was, I never heard a song twice, but I also wasn't, I didn't get that far, but it seemed like there was a new song for every single level. How big is this game? Because like there are cart size limitations and this game seems to have so much stuff on it. Yeah, like I, I wonder how how much the graphics are compressed. Um, but it's about a two hour game if you're playing perfectly, according to the long play that I saw. Um, a full playthrough that didn't seem perfect was about four hours, so it's really not long, long. Um, but considering that there's so many things going on, uh, yeah, I'm kind of shocked that they could fit all this in as well. By the way, the mech that we're talking about is sort of a 
it's it's not even a giant version of any of the existing characters. He's got like weird balls for hands. He's he's using roller skates to skate through the world, smacking people with a giant cap and and has what looks to be like one of those stereotypical Russian hats to keep you warm. Ooh, that's his hair. Kind of what? like Yeah, that's yeah. oiled hair. I look sort of like he's got locks on the side like a colonial era wig too. Yeah. I think that's based on like a classical depiction of of uh, Goemon. Yes, that would make sense. Okay, I got gotcha. you. That makes sense. Yeah, with the big blue poof of hair he's got turned into a class. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> so, so that's yeah. The mech is is this. I mean, it reminds me of a marionette, almost sort of Pinocchio like. Um, and you see that from again from a lot of angles. You see it from the front and cut scenes, from the side and the stages where you're just rolling over buildings. It, it's yeah. There's a lot of that mech going on. This is the first game that had that mech apparently, and it's a big big deal in later Goemon games. By the way, the name of the mech is Goemon Impact, just so we can stop calling it just the mech. Impact. It's a Gundam. Goemon Gundam. Gundam Amon. Um, I'm sorry. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, I don't know things. Goemon is like Robin Hood esque. Goemon is a historical Japanese story that I do not know, but I know enough to know that it's a historical thing that a lot of people talk about. Semi-legendary Japanese outlaw hero who stole gold and other valuables to give to the poor. He and his son were boiled alive in public after their failed assassination attempt attempt on the Warring States period warlord Toyotomi Hideyoshi. His legend. Just the Gone Better Goemon games and with uh, Goemon getting boiled alive. <laughs> and then he was resurrected to fight alongside uh, the Emperor Meiji who, for some reason, was trying to stop the Meiji Restoration. Weird. <laughs> also, there were rabbits. It oh, checks out. It does check out. Okay, wait a minute. A Goemonburo is a cauldron bath. It is a, a metal bath. It is actually what it's called. And it's also what Goemon was apparently boiled alive in. That's fun. That's fun, just getting that bath, that that bath that we use to boil people alive, but not really. You can get fried alive as a piece of tempura in this game. Yeah, there's a there's a screenshot that uh, that Bachelor put in here. Or no, wait, who put that in there? I, I did. Yes, you did. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll take credit, though. No. <laughs> Where you're writing on a piece of tempura above a hot oil bath. Uh, why? What's this amazing? Yeah, there's a whole food-themed castle later in the game where you're like, I don't know what they're called, but it's like some kind of, like, a griddle where, like, these these sort of, like, dumpling-looking things are fried on, and they attack you, and then you hit them, and then, like, an octopus pops out, and then you jump on to, like, a cork on a Coke bottle, and it takes you higher in the level. Then you have to cross tempura, and there's all this stuff going through, like, straight, like, like uh, sieves that you will actually sieve you and, like, just tear you apart if you fall through them and you have to jump on tempura and yeah it's it's great uh, so i just that's... sorry i have to stop shrug because i just posted a photograph of the historical goemon about to body slam his child into uh, <laughs> uh a hot oil bath so that he can have a deep fried tempura son 
I believe the tempura thing, though, is a reference to the Tokugawa era uh, torture technique used on Portuguese uh, Christian missionaries where they would bread them uh, and then put them in hot oil baths. It was called, uh, was it tempura no Portuguese na? I don't know Japanese, I can't make up anything. I'm sorry. You were one syllable off. I'm sorry. Portuguese go. Hiroshima. <laughs> the dish was in. Okay, tempura was influenced by fritter cooking techniques introduced by Portuguese residing in Nagasaki in the 16th, 16th century, yeah. and the name tempura relates to that origin. Okay, so that was that was close enough to the truth to be fun. <laughs> you know what they don't talk about about enough. How Commodore Perry didn't really open up Japan. They were trading with Europeans already. They were just only trading with very select Europeans. <sighs> so he ended racism is what you're saying. Uh, <laughs> he did effectively force them to stop being all medieval and shit by saying, we'll take you over if you don't trade with everybody. But. There's details about it in the excellent documentary Samurai Champloo. <laughs> uh, the, the griddle level you were talking about earlier is uh, the takoyaki level, which is um, takoyaki is balls of batter with little bits of octopus in it, which is why the octopus were in the level. Um, it's also I delicious. It's I so highly good. recommend eating takoyaki all the time, especially while playing this game. I know, yeah. I know it's harder to play a a Super Nintendo game while eating takoyaki, but just do it. It's worth it's it. It's maybe the second best kind of ball you can eat. <laughs> God damn What's it. the first kind, Bachelor? No, let's say. Oh. My Is mom this another in Wenzo? No, My just mom... DM me for details. <laughs> My mom, who's going to listen to these podcasts, definitely wants to know, by the way. Give me my digits. Hi, Tiger's <laughs> mom. Hi, Tiger's mom. I, I had a Goemon long play open, and I, I, I left it going. Uh, and it's now on top 10 worst PS1 games, so that's fun. I'm watching Simpsons Wrestling. That actually looks pretty good. Just definitely good. Anyway. <laughs> uh, okay, what else, what else? What else? Yeah, the music... Think, it, oh, go ahead. You think being threatened with Imperial... Like... Either you open up or will imperialize you. Do you think that had any sort of effect on Japan's later like hunger for imperialism? Uh, 500 worlds or less, go. No. Or video games. Video games. Tenshu. That's not a video game. That Shinobi, though, one. The Shinobi is a video game. Oh, and the other one... Where Way you of the Grand... Samurai. Way of the Samurai. And Way of the Samurai 4. Is that the one with Melinda Mega Melons? I that think... one's historically accurate. <laughs> that's the Jim Jarmusch movie. Oh, Jesus that's... Christ. Oh. Yeah, Way of the Samurai 3, Ghost Dog. That's a good one. <laughs> what do you think Forrest Whitaker's favorite oh, game God. is? I think Forrest Whitaker loves going on. Is there a Battlefield Earth video game? Because that's it. <laughs> what? Wait, is he a Scientologist? He wasn't. <laughs> He was in the movie. I don't. Hmm. 
for some reason, I feel like Forrest Whitaker plays Manhunt 2. <laughs> I don't know why that feels right to me. I think Forrest Whitaker has better hobbies than us. No, he's a Scientologist, so he definitely does not have better hobbies than us. <laughs> okay, well, fair enough. I hope any Scientologists listening to this are deeply offended. <laughs> I hope there are. Uh, I hope there's a Scientology gaming podcast because I want to listen to that. Oh God! I bet they've got the hot scoop on what was actually happening in Japan during uh, the Meiji Restoration. None of this fucking uh, bunnies uh, controlling giant sumo robots. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of Scientology, what else do we have to say about? Vanity. We said the music is amazing, but didn't really describe it. Hopefully, you've probably already heard at least one piece of it by now, but it's this sort of uses, like I use the air quotes, traditional Japanese instruments to produce these amazing, like video gamey songs. Uh, I think they're all incredible. Uh, but is there anything in particular that stood out? Uh, yes, the traditional instrument of the Super Nintendo sound chip. I love yeah. that traditional instrument. Exactly. But it's emulating, again, air quotes, traditional Japanese instruments. <laughs> so it's trying to make that that sound. Anyway. The best is Yo. That Yo sample. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's great. Those snappy woodblock hits used for emphasis are uh, pretty great. Oh, are there um, any Toto themed tunes? Because the Toto is like the best sounding Japanese instrument, in my opinion. Maybe. What's it? Wait, what? What instrument is that? Toto? Yeah. I don't pronounce things right. Sorry. No, I mean, what is it? <laughs> like, I don't oh, remember. It's like a zither. It's, it's, it's like a, it's like a, it's a, it's a Japanese zither, basically. Oh, okay. It's a wood board with a bunch of strings on it. It sounds it. good. It sounds good. So fuck off. <laughs> um. And I'm wondering if there's any, uh, like, uh, if there are any Gone Better Go on tracks that are based on that particular sound profile. Well, if I can find any, they're playing right now, and if I can't, I'll just pick a random YouTube video with the Koto, and we'll we'll go with that. Not many people know this, but the Koto strings were traditionally made out of the hairs of, of uh, hairs? Portuguese mission- missionaries. <laughs> <laughs> These poor Portuguese missionaries. How did they play them if they were deep fried? Wasn't made out of Portuguese mission. Sorry, I don't talk to over you. You can say your thing again. Sorry. That's <laughs> no, fine. I just, I'm just imagining deep fried hairs on a wooden board and the weird sound that that would produce. They use the whole missionary. <laughs> you have to respect that. They, Takayaki used to be made with Portuguese missionaries. Then they switched to, uh,. Um, Octopi when they ran out of missionaries. Yeah, the missionaries went extinct and had to go back to fishing. Um, I'm sorry if you're a Portuguese missionary. Um, I'm not sorry if you're a Scientologist. (laughs) 
everything in this game explodes. When you hit it, it explodes into pieces. Or sometimes if you hit it with a creepy uncle, it flies into the background. But most everything explodes, which I really liked. And the sound effect of things exploding was really nice. <laughs> in fact, I feel like this game had very impactful sound effects in general, like slapping people with that fan, just this nice sound. It's amazing. It's amazing. This game is peak Super Famicom. Because Super Famicom, it's not that good. It's not a PC engine. Sorry to be on Super Nintendo Exploration podcast and talk shit about the Super Nintendo. Well, that's why like, we have you on here, partially. Yeah. I, I mean, I like a lot of Super Nintendo games fine, but I, I don't have a lot of that nostalgia for it. But this game's, like, perfect. Like, this, what, this, this should be the game that's in everyone's mind when they think of, like, what a Super Nintendo game looks like. And not, I, I don't know, Final Fantasy three. Bahamut Lagoon. That's my Super Nintendo game. It's actually, it's both absolutely gorgeous and varied and just a pleasure to look at and surprising. And it's snappy and not, you know, so many of the games that we've played are really pleasant to look at, but they're really, really kludgy. And this one isn't pludgy at all. And I, I think that's a perfect transition because you're absolutely right. And I think we should talk about our next topic. But before we move on, any other final vanity notes? This is arguably not vanity. So I wasn't sure if I was going to mention it here, but uh, it's presentation related. So I guess it does. And that is the text in the game is hard to read and not hard to read because of the font, but hard to read because of the styling that they use. Uh, for example, Goemon speaks very much um, with sort of a Kansai uh, dialect kind of tone of voice. And the American bunnies are also kind of weird in how they speak. So it's actually pretty hard to read the text, even if you do know Japanese. Um, I guess if you're a Japanese person, you might be more exposed to these kinds of stereotypes and character tropes, whereas I am sort of less exposed to them. So I had trouble reading what the actual story was, even though I can speak Japanese. That's really interesting. Like, yeah, obviously I wouldn't have picked up on that at all. And like, it again goes to show the care that they put into like the presentation of this game. Um, everything in this seems to really reflect that they wanted to make something that was good to look at, good to hear, good to read, like maybe hard to read, but like carefully thought out. So yeah, absolutely. And the fonts in this game are awesome too. So 10 out of 10 for the fonts. The fonts look painted. They're, they're very nice. I'd also just like to say, I think the square games look really good. There's lots of good looking Super Nintendo games. It's just, this one has really good blues. It's it a does. really good looking game. It has really, yeah, the colors really pop. Yeah, I agree. Lovely gradients puts puts any Amiga game to shame. That's what I should have been trash talking. There is not a single good game on the Amiga. <laughs> and I think we've been over that before. What was Spindizzy in the Amiga yeah. game? Yep. Spindizzy like was originally a Commodore 64 game. Just like Commodore Same Perry, thing. you know. Same thing. <laughs> this, this game's actually about uh, trying to sell the Commodore 64 in Japan. <laughs> that didn't go well history's greatest folly all right <laughs> okay so uh let's let's move on to our next topic which is gun 
And for a totally historically accurate game, uh, there's a surprising amount of guns in here. Um, so, but yeah, like, God, there's a lot to talk about in this section. So what, what did we think of the, well, actually, you know what? I'm not even going to let anybody talk yet. Stop, stop. No, I'm going. So, hey, hey, Clint. No. Clint. 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 Hey, Clint. Yes. Hey, Clint. Yeah. What's up? Go on. Okay. (laughs) So. Just just to give kind of a, a general idea of how this game goes. So you start on an overworld like Super Mario World. The very first thing you do, I think... No, the first thing you do is go into a level. So, and it's very platformy, nice jumps. They're very, like, easily controllable. As soon as you let go of the button, you stop moving. So kind of stereotypical in that way. You get to pick from three different characters, each of which have their own different attacks. Uh, I didn't, I'm not going to list them because I don't know them, but I will say that Goemon's main attack is to smack people with a pipe, and then he can also throw coins, which uses your money. Money becomes important when you go to a village. Villages are just like the... Uh, side-scrolling stages except you can go into buildings and there are a lot of people running around who you can smack and then the cops try to kill you um (laughs) and you can buy things like armor and rice balls and maybe massages i'm not 100 percent sure what was going on half the time uh so that happens and then eventually you're going to get to boss fights which could vary between uh well the only one i saw was a sumo wrestling match where you were in a sumo bot but then you could also just jump out of the sumo bot and smack the guy to death with your pipe. And then eventually you get to the mech fights using... Wait, Impact? Yeah, Goemon Impact is the mech. Uh, Gundam. Gundam. The Gundam fights, uh, which always start with a... Again, another side-scrolling thing with sort of an automatic scroller where you're trampling over buildings and trying to jump over pits and things. And then eventually you get to a first-person mech fight where you're punching and shooting and blocking using every single button on the controller. Uh, Totally different from the rest of the game. And then... Generally, you go back to platforming in villages until you get to, to another mech fight. I mean, it's it's all over the fucking place. So that's kind of the idea of this, the flow of the game. But what's our, what's our gun thoughts? My uh, thought is that this is a Gundam game. The platforming is nothing. The, who cares about the town? But, you know, like, also the platforming is kind of like, what, what was that game? The Kitaro game we played that was shit. It's like that if it was good. Yes. Or playable. Yes. yes, but no, this is a Gundam game. Someone's like, we can't get the license, so we're just going to make a mech battle game. And all the effort went into making those mech sec- sections because, like, it uses every button on the controller and it's got all this depth, at least compared to everything else. Because I spent like 40 minutes trying to beat that damn boss. So that's my theory that this was like a Gundam game uh, with Robin Hood. I uh, just want to say that I think the. Rabbits with uh, guns are clearly a reflection of the transition during the Meiji Restoration from uh, a basically medieval army. Because as we all know, uh, when uh, the Tokugawa shogunate uh, unified Japan, they outlawed firearms because they were afraid of uh filthy unwashed peasants shooting uh their betters off of their horses etc and so they didn't have guns for a long time but uh then 
they have said, hey, we need a modern army, so let's give the rabbits guns. So clearly <laughs> a thematic, uh, what do you call it? Very Damn. natural, uh, very historical, very appropriate. Uh, same thing with Max, which were uh, also outlawed during the Tokugawa shogunate. <laughs> I believe that at least on some level, the first time you enter the mech and the whole world expands and everything becomes bigger and more dynamic and more glorious reflects a sort of uh, uh, nod to uh, the... Uh, historical ties to Buddhism that Japan has had for about a thousand years, maybe 1200 years. I can't remember dates. Uh, anyway, uh, what I'm trying to say there is that there's a lot of echoes to uh, Qin uh, Hu's uh, excellent uh, Taiwanese epic, uh, A Touch of Zen. I got to say, I, can see it. I have I have everybody on this podcast because my thoughts on this game were, man, I, I thought it was cool, and I punched someone, and that was fun. That's what I, I think. I my hot take on this is this this is a Castlevania game. Yes, the platforming sections are a bit Castlevania, although it's like Castlevania if you had a VHS of it and you put it on fast forward, like everything's a bit faster. You you are committed to your attack, but they take maybe a quarter of the time. Uh, but you can, uh, as at least going on, I didn't play the other ones, you can upgrade your attacks to be longer. Uh, so when you... When you get a little cat, when you pick up a cat power up, the pipe becomes longer. And then when you pick up a second one, it it just literally becomes a whip. It's a big fire whip. Uh, you can also hit attack upwards as well. So you get multiple directions. Again? Yeah. And the the development of the pipe works the way the uh, advancement of whips work in uh, the earlier Castlevania games, where it goes from whip to big whip to long chain whip. Mm -hmm. yeah it's exactly the same and that's it made me think of that a lot like and there's a lot oh, of it oh go ahead i played uh sasuke the the little ninja boy the little ninja robot boy uh he is a robot his head pops off if you let him idle by the way there are idle animations in this i forgot to mention this during vanity what? because most people probably didn't let uh their controllers go at any point uh so yeah, uh, I played Sasuke, and he doesn't have a deep upgrade path. It just goes from a knife to uh, he can throw knives now. Like that—that's so cool. Like, like uh, oh, one thing I want to say before we continue talking about gun, I didn't use my own ROM packs that I always send out to people. I mean, actual cartridges that I send to everybody via. U.S. Post Office, um, and I, I got a different cartridge that may have been may have had a trainer attached because I could not get hurt. I could die by falling into a pit, but my health never went down, not once. I, could, I got hit like a thousand times in one of the the last stages I played, and nothing happened. So I have no idea how difficult this game is. Um, the mech fight again was very easy because nothing hurt me. So I think I was using a fucked up ROM. <laughs> I mean, cartridge. It, it, it starts out pretty breezy and I was like, Oh, this is really light. And it, and well, I mean, all games get harder as they go, but I really like the difficulty here because it would almost always introduce one element earlier and then it would then it would be like, yeah, here's all the ways that can work. And then it would introduce a second element and then it would always go like combine them. And that 
goes on in later stages. It does repeat some of the graphical elements and enemies later on in even more elaborate configurations that take a lot more effort to get through. Are there more Gundam fights? Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. One has a top, a giant top, and in order to beat it, you have to punch the top. So this is actually a continued statement about how the Super Nintendo is superior to the Amiga because uh, you just beat up Spin Dizzy Worlds in this game. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that definitely makes this game worth playing in my book. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, this is a snappy game. Yeah, did like like Shrug called it snappy. It's snappy. Everything you do happens immediately. Um, most enemies take one hit to kill, but the enemies that take multiple hits usually bounce off. Or there's there's one point where a somebody dressed as like I don't know a Kabuki Oni. I don't fucking know. Is trying to saw off the log you're standing on. You just have to smack him multiple times to kill him. And even that's great because they introduce it. Uh, with just the one and of course I died because I couldn't figure out what the fuck I was doing I just thought oh I'll let him saw it off fine and then they keep adding enemies to make it harder to smack this guy in the face and uh, yeah, but yeah everything just sort of happens when you push that button it's it's amazing even like throwing coins there's a short little animation but the coin goes out very quickly and you just just blowing stuff up it's great it's great I also like the idea that you're using money to <laughs> to fight so that uh, you know it kind of has a slight economy going on there although again I still don't know what any of the things did that I bought except the armor I could tell that the armor every time I got hit it was using one of the armors instead so I wouldn't take health damage although I never took health damage anyway you eventually have to buy a pass to get through like a guarded gate later in the game. Oh, that's probably what I missed, because that was the the second village I got to. Well, I guess the third, technically, because you crush the second village under under Impact's feet. And you can replay stages. As I found out when I didn't know you should go down at the end of the first stretch of the first town and I, I do I not understand something because I can't read Japanese I went backwards and went back through the first level again and effectively just ground for money uh, then I checked the walkthrough and it indicated you could just continue straight on through the town and then I used my eyeballs uh, that did confuse me at first, and I went through the town, I went all the way back to the beginning of the town, I went back to the end of the town, and accidentally went down to the little grassy spot you could go through. Uh, that 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 did confuse me a little bit. I, I don't think that was really clear, especially because they put grass there specifically, so it almost looks like a barrier. That, that, that was weird. Um, that is one thing about the village sections is that they are like where everything else is like a 2D platformer. Those have the sort of pseudo 3D beat em up Z axis thing going on or whatever. I don't know. Y axis, um, which was weird. Did anyone hit civilians in the town? Hell yeah. I smacked a yeah, civilian right in the head. What else was there to hit? And town guards come after you with sticks. Mm-hmm. It's great. Until you go that. into a store and then they forget about you. Just I like in real life. Because <laughs> they see that you are a capitalist and interested in spending money. 
thus uh, reifying the connection this game has to the changes to Japan during the Meiji Restoration as uh, capitalism becomes a a definite mode of life in uh, feudal Japan. No longer uh, do uh, you live under a purely feudal system where might makes right. Instead, uh, you live under a system where money makes right. Yes, just look at all of the, I mean, certainly some uh, members of the samurai class rebelled against the uh, new Meiji government as uh, displayed with stunning accuracy in the documentary film The Last Samurai, but many of them were actually relieved to be freed of the strictures of their class because they could finally go and be merchants and make money. They Instead loved making of being money. Broke as hell all the time. Yeah. Oh, uh, Goemon loves money. <laughs> yeah. Goemon does love money. I do have one question about this game. In towns, did anyone ever like walk into the old lady who just gave you money and walked away smiling? I thought I robbed the old lady. I'm also not sure if that old lady stole from me. Not sure what I happened. I was worrying, wondering if she stole from me. Does it but, fade to black at some point? Because maybe something happened there and she's compensating you for it. <laughs> well, I might have blamed. It might have been a very short fade to black. Oh man, going on. Come on. No, Goemon has nimble fingers. There are girls that will give you money if you touch them and they're blushing afterwards. So maybe I have more in common with Goemon than I thought. Same. <laughs> so I was watching the long play and in like the third or fourth town, there were these uh old men with bags who looked like the creepy uncle guy, uh, but with purple hair instead of blue, I think. Anyway. And the whoever was playing kept smacking them right on their faces, and the guards didn't come and attack him. So I feel like they might have been thieves. It was weird. Yeah. They're just local perverts. <laughs> Is everyone in this game a sex pest? I mean, the, the the secondary character is definitely a sex pest. Like, I, at the beginning cutscene has him chasing Goemon around naked. Like, I didn't totally understand what was going on there, but I definitely assumed sex things. Okay, so so since I didn't understand a word of this, and I'm going on, I'm trusting you here. I'm just declaring this the horny Kirby. <laughs> Got a bunch of mini games, and I guess everyone's being rude to, to go in. Bottom on. lines for the end of the podcast. <laughs> I didn't tell out, Clint. I finally have one. Just say it again. It'll be great the second time too. <laughs> Fuck yeah, no, it, it it is it is a bit like I mean, hell, even the later Kirby games have a giant mech that you trample through stages in. So that's a great comparison. That makes a great transition into talking about the Goemon Impact segments. Um, I think, I'm not sure if anybody else noticed this, but I think I picked up on this. Uh, The part where you trample buildings is where you accumulate your initial life pool for the fight, I think. Um, (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, there's a little counter in the bottom left corner of the screen that goes up as you trample over buildings, and that is how much HP you start with uh, at the start of the next fight, um, which is really strange. Uh, is this canon to Gundam? Yeah, is that a vampire Gundam? Is this like Anne Rice's... Like, is is, is Tomito the Anne Rice of Japan? 
This is a Gundam podcast by now. Yeah. And the, by yeah. The uh, Tomino is definitely the Anne Rice of Japan, even going through that the equivalent of Anne Rice's sudden turn to Christianity. Uh, Tomino's sudden turn to uh, Darcy's Wayne. Uh, but yeah, so that's how you get like your starting oil count. Uh, oil is HP basically uh, in the mech fights. And what's sort of unfair about these battle sequences is that you passively lose oil for doing literally anything, whereas the enemy doesn't. And it's really unfair. Uh, I think Tiger has more insight into this. Yeah, um, I think the oil also runs down if you don't do stuff, because I thought it was just actions. And certain things do seem to make the oil go down. It um, goes and down one point a second, no matter what you do. Oh. And, uh, but you lose more when you take damage, because damage actually seems to affect that and also a damage meter, and if either goes to zero, you get a game over. Um, in, in fact, blocking, when you would uh, block stuff, you still lose oil, even if you don't lose damage. Uh, the At least in the first fight, you could, like, because I only did the first fight, so this is all I know about, there are a lot of attacks where, once you figure out the controls, it seems like the natural thing to do. Uh, is, you know, block them, but it's really structured. Uh, Basically, you're in a first-person perspective. You have a sumo robot who starts up far away, and he's going to do a big rocket move and race towards you. And if you throw up a block, uh, he bounces off of it, and then he's going to start throwing punches at you. Uh, or maybe doing short little hops towards you and throwing punches. And the best way to pile on damage is to uh, wait for him to rush you into range, and there's a moment where you can start throwing punches and interrupt him before he can hurt you. And pretty much all of his moves, you can do that. Uh, You're... You have a right and a left. The left is a jab. Uh, you can throw out a flurry of them. The right is, a, I guess, a hook. You can knock them backwards, and then he has to approach again. Uh, and you can shoot coins out of your mouth. You can shoot coins out of your mouth, but something that you can as, also As do. we know, all uh, samurai could do historically. Yes. It's which like, is why they were so poor. It's like retracting your balls up into your body. It's just one of those things that they learned. Um, and something that took me a while to figure out is while it seemed very natural when they do the he does the giant rocket move to throw up a guard when he uh, comes rocketing in my face because that's what I do in real life when Tulpa comes rocketing at my face um, so that I don't take massive damage. You can actually throw out a heavy punch and knock him back. Whoa! And then you don't take any damage. I thought that's what you were supposed to do to get through the boss fight at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, and 
So uh, you can get, obviously, judging by uh, Tiger's reaction, you don't have to do that. But it's a big move. This is a very subtle and granular thing in the Super Nintendo game, that uh, part that could have just been a tossed-up minigame. It's really great. <laughs> you, you also have crosshairs that you have to guide with the D-pad, so you're on the right part of the boss. And I even think you can hit different locations on the first boss and do damage to different parts of it. Yeah, you knock off, as you throw punches, you knock off plates and expose weak spots it's really great that's incredible that you're right this is a gundam game and they just had a platformer in the background so i'm a big idiot who never presses buttons that are not a or b uh so i only knew about the one punch the right punch that was very powerful and i didn't know you could block so I had a very hard time beating this boss, but it was very satisfying at the end where I basically killed it by only punching it in the face. (laughs) Um, So that's a thing you can do. Another another thing is I found the first person view to be incredibly hard to judge distance with. Uh, Maybe the 3DS just spoiled me or something because it's really hard to gauge. Luckily, there is a radar on the bottom uh, and there are three rings. There's a green ring, a yellow ring, and a red ring and as soon as they enter the uh the diameter of the red ring uh you can throw your punch and they will take damage so i just stopped looking at the top of the screen and only focused on the radar and i had much less trouble uh fighting the only time that i would actually look back up is when they would shoot orbs at me and then i would try to clear those out before inevitably taking damage and then repeat the whole thing um but yeah you can do it if you only use the a and b buttons like and if you're an idiot like me I'm, it it supports multiple play styles like an elder scrolls game <laughs> the elder scrolls of the super nintendo no wait that's dragon view um yeah no i i that's amazing because i basically again seemingly couldn't lose health so i just i just punched him to death i i didn't i did figure out blocking late in the fight and that started helping but yeah it is it is supports multiple play styles Clint some of us on this podcast have a thing called Valor look I can't yeah, only me only me cheats <laughs> all the goddamn time <laughs> Valor uh, Thief Valor Thief I'm tapping my screen right now you, you saw my uh, streaming of this game you saw I didn't cheat I defeated that uh I defeated the giant robot by myself, even when my emulator glitched out and started acting like I had two controllers, which actually just made things harder. You, you had a crowd cheering you on and giving you advice. I did this <laughs> the hard way. I didn't know the buttons. No I one cheers for me. No one cheers for Tulpa. Go every Tulpa. T- <laughs> every time Tulpa. Hooray, Tulpa. Battle, every time we battle IRL. Tulpa just spans, spams their most powerful move and rockets turn my face over and over again <laughs> until I'm winded and I can't throw up any more blocks, so I always lose. Not technically cheating if it's within the rules. It's within the rules, but it's pretty cheap. It is pretty be. cheap, yeah. yeah. And I, I fear for your face. To be fair, I just I just crouch and do a... Do a Low strong over and over again. <laughs> Low <Yeah>. strong. 
<laughs> just just sliding my foot under the guard over and over. So I guess I have it coming. Reminds me of uh, actually two things came up when when other folks were talking. Um, the, just looking at the radar reminds me of playing Mario Kart seven on the ds and i would just look at the bottom screen half the time because it was easier to spot upcoming bananas and whatnot and uh and then so i could do entire races just looking at the bottom screen which was weird and then uh yeah that also reminds me of playing against my sister in clay fighter 63 and a third and she would pick the blob and then just do this one move over and over which was a horsey kick it would it literally turned into a horse's ass and then kicked and i couldn't figure out how to beat it it was very cheap it was annoying <laughs> See, when, when i played uh balls 3d fighting at its ballsiest on the sega genesis which is not the number one ball you can eat by the way no, uh, <laughs> just just plays the monkey and throw my poop orb over and over again. It's a good move. Your porb, poop your short porb. Yes, porbing at its palsiest. At his at his at his palsiest. Wait, no. Um, <laughs> shit. Okay, what else? I don't. I don't even know what to say else about this other than that it, it's fucking amazing, and every single section is well thought out. And I thought it would be a disaster, but it's not at all. But what else do we have for gun? So I wanted to go back to the thing about how the towns work differently, real quick, because the way they control is actually how the first Goemon game on Super Nintendo controls, and they look like a prettier version of the levels in the original Goemon Super Nintendo game. Interesting. Okay, so it's a bit of a throwback, maybe. How does that reflect on Japanese history? Uh, would you say that in uh, modernizing and becoming more like the industrialized Western world, uh, the richness of Japanese culture was sort of metaphorically flattened and lost something of itself becoming more 2d undoubtedly i just thought that went without saying i well i'm not very smart why must you so always I say need, the obvious thing I, I need to make the implicit explicit it's very important <laughs> or i'll forget oh. <laughs> One more weird village thing. There's a teleport that costs fifty. The like costs fifty coins, and you can just walk back to any level in the game after you beat it. So there is no reason to spend these coins. I think it takes longer to teleport than it takes to walk on the map. Well, being that this game is an Elder Scrolls game, the teleport is there for convenience. It's like you can walk anywhere in Morrowind, but you can just take a Silt Strider. Also, how are you going to role play as being part of the Wizards Guild if you can't teleport from town to town? Also, that explains why I ended up in the first town and didn't understand why. <laughs> exactly. That's amazing. Okay. Um, I th I think we've I think we've gunned out. Any, any other final gun notes before we move on? This is the kind of game that I would really like to play co-op with someone else uh, because I believe you both have your characters on screen at the same time i'm not sure i think so yeah yeah i saw some screenshots where it looked like two people were playing at once but i could be wrong 
yeah, this is a game where you can play two player, uh, and that, and I posted some screenshots where you can play two people at once, and you actually uh, you, you do two player mech battles as well. I don't know how those work. Whoa. Uh, I just know that when I when my emulate when my Super Nintendo started glitching out and started treating my controller as two controllers. <laughs> my legitimate Super Nintendo that I purchased and played uh, this legitimate game on. Uh, but yeah, my last gun note, I think. This this game is broadly comparable to a lot of the, like, moderately charming, uh, like, action platformers, RPG platformers we've played. Like, I, I, I just think of Holy Umbrella, except this has just that extra bit of polish where they actually, like tried to make the base game loops more enjoyable like more uh just just more to them that that it actually just works yeah With, this... without like hedging uh hedging about like well it's it's really charming even though it's flawed which is like this the exploration line yeah yeah like and even beyond just the gameplay loop, the levels are so incredibly thoughtful. Like, I spend a lot of time thinking about game design because of my interest in just, you know, making games at some point. And this game did everything pretty much perfectly. It introduced every element, like, slowly and in a safe way so you could learn about how it worked. Then it would recombine the elements over and over and over again, and then there'd be yet another thing from Castlevania that had a different sprite that they'd drop in. And and if you're, you know, an idiot like me, I don't even notice that shit, and it still works really well. <laughs> And if you are an absolute master at this game, you would never find out, for instance, that uh, uh, there's actually very little penalty for dying over and over because you just start over the stage you are on uh, after you run out of lives. It's it's not punishing at all. Not that I would personally know. And uh, you, if you get a game over, you lose a portion of your money, and if you go... But it always bottoms out to a particular minimum amount of money, which is based on whichever character you have. Oh, yeah, that's something I saw in the walkthrough. Like the ninja robot has the least and the creepy uncle has the most. But yeah, it's the mo- it, it bottoms out at that, which is interesting. It's very unlike real life. Not that I'm the creepy uncle, but. <laughs> yeah, every time I die, I lose a lot of money. <laughs> Did anyone play the auto scroller in area two where the enemies try to saw off parts of the level? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I really like that. I love that, that level. And then yeah. the fucking ogre starts taking fists full of logs out from under you. Oh yeah, that was cool. And so that was good. great too. Hilarious. Well, and, and the uh, best part about the ogre thing is it would punch the logs up first and you could actually ride the log up and then go back down. So it wasn't like it just destroyed the platform. You would fly up into the air is beautiful. Also, the way you you normally want to ride a log. <laughs> yeah, when I saw that stage I, I, on stream, I just started yelling and clapping with joy instead of actually playing, and then I died. <laughs> that That's that okay. was the moment I went from yeah, this seems pretty good to oh my god, this is like kind of a forgotten classic. Yeah, it's and, glorious. And 
when if you stop the uh, motherfucker before when the log is only partially sawed and you get ahead of it and a an enemy spawns behind you and comes hopping forward and jumps on the log, it will fall out from under them. It's so good. That's great. That's great. Yeah, they're just the level of detail is incredible here. Like, it's amazing. I really don't know how they fit all of this on the on the cartridge. Like, just I mean, look at that ogre. It's huge. Oh, it's huge. It's like th- four sprites. Uh, all right, cool. Well, I think I mean overall, this game just every every part of the gun thing really, really worked well, and it was surprising at every every turn. Uh, very unlike many of the games we've played, which tend to fall into ruts. This does not feel like a game you can recommend with with a, an asterisk. It's a game you can recommend. Period. It's not even that hard, which I appreciate. I appreciate games that aren't that fucking hard. <laughs> Says the guy who played it with no damage being taken. Okay, look, I could get through those stages. The first few stages, I didn't take any damage at all. I didn't get hit, so shut up. <laughs> it gets harder. That's. I mean, I feel like if you can play through the first half of a game without it getting tremendously hard, like without getting too frustrated, I feel like that's good. I feel like once you hit the halfway point and it starts getting like really hard and you can tap out having seen at least 50 percent of it, that's where that's where I'm like, this is this is an acceptable level of difficulty. If I get into the third level and I am so frustrated that I just turn the thing off too difficult for me at the very least. (laughs) But that's my. It's my hot take on video game difficulty. I think I want to move on to the uh, next topic, which is... Oh, wait, what's this? It's Salaryman Corner. It approaches. Oh, God. And the first... This is the this is a new thing. I moved all of the NHL games over to Salary Man Corner after we did that NHL uh, ninety six, aka NHL sixty nine, and that's what we got. We got an NHL game, but it's not a numbered one. It's called NHL Stanley Cup, and I played it for five minutes. Uh, what <laughs> what did we think of this fucking game? Mode seven was a mistake. I threw up. Well, I, I didn't really throw up, but I really wanted to. So it's a hockey game, obviously. But it, the gimmick is that it's 3D with air quotes. Like, it's about seven. And, and like, the camera is constantly turning all the way. Like, it's always focused on the goal of the person who has the thing. So every time the puck changes hands, 180 degree turn is fucking nauseating. It's completely unplayable. <laughs> I, I'm ashamed to admit this, but I was like, I thought this was this. It was a lot better than I expected, and I really liked the mode seven. I thought it looked good. I just wanted to throw up the whole time. You like that six FPS <laughs> frame rate? It's so bad. I really like mode seven graphics. Okay, like I really like them. Even in like a modern game, if something starts spinning around, I get a little bit hype. But like, I I am ashamed to admit this. I didn't play this game at all. But I believe every good thing we have to say about it because there's nothing wrong with NHL. And uh, I I just want to go back to Puck World. I didn't play it. Instead, I watched a marathon of Michael Bay movies and then put together a supercut of shots 
of the kick of the camera just spinning around people and watched them on a VR headset. It was like I was really there. That's basically the same experience as playing this game. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the problem I had with it, like, primarily was that, like, you know, sports games, it's hard to keep the one character on screen that you're playing, right? And so, you know, you're moving up and down the field, and sometimes you lose sight of your own characters. They have little indicators to show you where you're at. When the opponent has the puck, that's 90% of the game is not being able to see your own fucking character. <laughs> and it's, I, I felt like it was a disaster. I really did think it looked good. It was kind of fun to watch, other than that, like, I kept throwing up every two minutes. But, like, it just, it told, I thought it was completely unplayable. If I had seen that in whatever year it came out, I don't fucking know. Probably would have blown my mind, though. I- I had no clue what anything did. Like I only played it for like two minutes and it like really made me kind of like freak out. Cause it, it was like the first time I played a game where none of the buttons seemed to do anything. Oh, uh, I, I just want to explain how the game works as someone who didn't play the game or even look at it or read any FAQs, but the controls are exactly the same as the mecha parts of, uh, Goemon. <laughs> Yeah, you hit, you hit the A button to shoot coins out of your nose. No, there's. I did figure out the slap shot button. Those are pucks. They're pucks. Pucks. Pucks, Clint. They're called pucks. <laughs> there's, there's thirty pucks on the on the on the ice. What's going on? <laughs> I think we've just designed another great game. There's thirty pucks, and you're playing hockey. I think they we are. Have. They they are they. To be fair, they are gold pucks. And they and they have uh, the little lines on them, and they're not perfectly circular. Yeah. Um. So that. So yeah, NHL Stanley Cup. I would rather play in NHL '96. Uh, the end. This is you the know. worst salary man game we've ever played, and I mean, we've played some really bad games. We've played some games that we were too stupid to figure out, but at least the games we were too stupid to figure out were technically working this is just a train wreck and the frame rate i mean like i understand mode 7 can be impressive or mode 7 like you like it or whatever but this is mode 7 at such a low frame rate that i can't even respect that like you're used to seeing mode 7 at like 60 frames per second all the time and then this game comes along and it's like how about if i do it in nine frames per second and i'm like no sorry goodbye (laughs) no I was a Nintendo 64 gamer, so I'm used to low frame rates. <laughs> ah, that explains everything. In the opening sequence of Transformers The Last Night, <laughs> we find ourselves in the 5th century, and there's a close-up of a 16th century German greatsword. 15th century, I'll say 15th century German greatsword. Is this the most problematic thing in any Michael Bay movie? Definitely. <laughs> I bet he even forgot to include the giant robots. <laughs> Transformers aren't Gundams. Also, this is less interactive than any of the Pachinko games we played. See, I was actually doing okay. Like, well, not doing okay. It was two versus zero by the time I quit five minutes later. But I don't know. I didn't like now I'm starting to defend this game because I thought it looked really cool. I thought that it was, uh, you know, it was playable. The frame rate didn't bother me. I just 
I mean, it was just the camera turning around all the fucking time that really, really drove it home how much I hated this game. But I'd rather play this than a patchy slot game. Fuck wait, me. Wait, going off of what you just said, Bachelor, you're saying that in this game, we can open up the guts of your uh, hockey players and see all of the parameters that make them function in order for you to better predict who would win at, win at hockey? No. So it's a horse racing game. <laughs> so if we paint one of the hockey players red, he'll go three times faster. <laughs> yeah, okay. hockey is not well, actually maybe is hockey the Gundam of sports? No, is, curling is obviously curling is sick. <laughs> Let's move on. So we... curling is the Votoms of sports. Where where are the curling games on the Super Nintendo? Where are the curling video games? Googling it. I have Nagano Winter Olympics 98 for the PlayStation, and that has a curling video game in it. There's apparently a PC curling sim game that was released in 2012, and it's in uh, one of the Sonic and Mario Olympics games, so it's fucking there. Actually, this is a true story. I was in Odaiba a few weeks ago, and they were having some sort of Dragon Quest Expo for children, and they had a slime curling game, and that was awesome. Oh, that sounds great. Sonic sounds lewd. Sonic can't curl. He'd be too fast. He'd melt the ice. That's just facts. Sonic can't curl. Oh, shit. There's a super light 1500 series curling game. Jet fuel can't. (laughs) <laughs> let's let's move on this has been this has been the most contentious salary man corner ever i think i think uh <laughs> what i'm watching a video of this and it kind of, i think i would think it looked amazing uh as a kid in the 90s but it sort of makes me want to die are you talking about the sonic curling game or about <laughs> nhl nhl i'm not gonna watch as a sonic curling game because that's a crime against nature. It couldn't happen. Sonic can't curl. Maybe it's like in the Sonic racing games where he has a car, so it's fair for everyone else. I, you can't drive a car on... Well, maybe if Sonic was tied to a little sled and Tails was pulling him while he swept... Like bound really tight to the sled so his legs couldn't move. I need to go for a moment. Checking your <laughs> deviant art. <laughs> oh God. Oh, okay. I've lost I've lost control of this podcast. We're moving on to the the next topic. Is that Sonic fan art in a Gundam? What is going on? We're moving on to our next topic, which is of course investigation. Uh, remember what game we were playing? We were playing Gunberry Goemon 2. That's what we were playing. Not not any sort of Sonic fan game where he gets on a sled and goes curling in a Gundam or something. Uh, so, uh, as far as investigation, there is exactly one walkthrough for this on Game FAQs, which is nice. Uh, I tried to get a translation for this. There is a translation in the works. I asked the person who is translating it to send me an early version. They didn't respond, which is fine. I mean, that's kind of a big ask for somebody. So, hopefully that comes out soon-ish so we can all experience the uh, 
the glory of the English version of this game. Uh, but yeah, so investigation. I think we've got a, quite a few things to talk about. N- not, uh, not even mentioning the total historical accuracy of this game. Is that a Sonic Gundam? What is going on in the chat right now? It, it's okay. on topic because this is a Gundam game. Yes. But technically, it's not a Gundam. Technically, that is a Zaku. Yeah, that's Gundam. a Zaku. Anyway, what Topa? <laughs> yes. So, investigation. I'm reading about Abisumaru, the the ninja that's the creepy uncle uh, that's best friends with uh, Goemon. And I want to read this sentence out loud from the Goemon Wiki article on Abisumaru. Modern scholars are of the view that Jirokichi most likely spent his money on women and liquor. Jirokichi was the uh, historical basis uh, for Ebisumaru because this game is very historically researched. So he is indeed the pervert of the game. Beautiful. So there we go. Another historically accurate note. There's a pervert who loves to spend money and also have the sex. Maybe. Glad I spend all my money on Gundams, which is a wholesome pursuit. It truly is. <laughs> is Emperor Meiji having the weakest attack a reflection of the way uh, the Emperor's office had been subliminated by the Shogun for so very long? Yes, I just pronounced it Shogun. Uh, the Shogun. The Shogun. Yes. The Shogun, definitely. Are you a hmm. James Clavell novel? Yep. Do-do-do. You know, they're making that into a limited series again. They're going to fucking make Shogun for the TV. I bet they're going to leave out the giant robots and just leave all of the anachronisms in place. <laughs> But at least there's going to be a white guy. Oh, right. Wait, wait. I'm doing some investigation. There's a uh, Game FAQ's review of this game that says, Screw the Last Samurai. This tells the story of how Japan defeated the West. <laughs> See? Like they knew. <laughs> so there, there's a connection. I'm not even reading this. I don't think I can read this. The author is the last patriot. Oh, there's also a list of other weapons that Ebisumaru is uh, proficient with that I feel should just be read in order. Bombs. Extendable boxing glove. Festive sign paddle. <laughs> frying pan. Giant spatula. Gymnastic ball. Gymnastic pin, gymnastic ribbon, hand fan, hula hoop, (laughs) mallets, megaphone, pico pico hammer, plunger, and finally, the (laughs) yo-yo. He's Ness. We did it. We found Ness. This is Earthbound 4. Shit. Um, Yes. So, so, yeah, uh, Konami just... Uh, heard that uh, if we wanted a fourth mother game, we should just make our own and actually follow through on that in a legitimate way by making their own IP uh, a very historically accurate retelling of the struggles between Japan and America, which ties in thematically to the entire mother series 
uh, given that they are so focused on Americana and uh, nostalgia in the past. It really does work in a way. All effects check out. Isn't there actually a real JRPG series that actually really does that, though? Uh, Far East of Eden, I think. Yeah, I think that's what I'm talking talking about. Although I cannot, I will I will defer to your wisdom here. Uh, I haven't played any of them. I know that uh, the one that is set in America only just recently got a translation that is incredibly difficult to apply. So I have not been able to play it yet. Let me clear up one thing. I am a history nerd. I study it in my spare time, make various references to it, and get into arguments with various history teachers. This is the uh, review by Last Patriot, by the way. (laughs) I saw that. And get into arguments with various history teachers. But that's how you know that you're a true history nerd, is if you seek out history teachers of various sorts and you get into arguments with them. But I never knew that Europe sent an army of bunny-suited men to conquer the land of the rising sun. I do now. <laughs> that's, that's it. Yeah, it's a pretty good review, honestly. It's, it's his only it. review ever. Amazing. I hate it. Any one of those history teachers pop the cap in them. It really hurts me on a deep level, and I'm breaking kayfabe here, that someone claims to be a history nerd and thinks that they learned anything about history from this game. I've learned a lot thanks to this podcast. That's I forgot good. it all already, but... Uh, there is a Game Boy Advance re-release of this game. Uh, actually, it's a compilation of the first Super Nintendo Goemon game and the second. Uh, when I went to Japan a few years ago, the game was going for almost $100 for a used copy. And now, apparently, it's down to 30 bucks. What happened in those three years, I will never know. <laughs> I am doing some research on the author of the walkthrough that is on game faqs her name is uh on game faqs jerrymon impact uh i'm doing a bunch of research anyway i believe she may be an egyptologist and an artist based on my googling i'm not gonna start name dropping here no i did find actually there is a tripod page uh still up jerrymonimpact.tripod.com last updated uh, july 25th 2003 uh, lots of art. Looks like their Goemon page was merged with Goemon.com, which I haven't gone to yet. So the, the, the walkthrough is truly wholesome and wonderful, by the way. Lots of exclamation points, but in a fun way. I like the walkthrough. It's, it, chapter five, the walkthrough. It has five exclamation points. It's wonderful. I'm, I actually really like this walkthrough now that I'm reading it. So why didn't we invite this person onto the podcast? Is it too late? Yeah. Are they on Twitter? Ask them right now. I genuinely can't find them. I'm trying to, there's, there's too many people sharing the same, uh, name. I don't think this person's actually a, an Egyptologist. So it's a bit, it's a bit tough. <laughs> what if they beat La Milano without cheating? Does that count? Even though that's close, right? I think so. So how did this popular bandit character from the 16th century get transported? 
for these video games to the late 19th century is mostly what I'm wondering. Cryogenics. Ah, yes. That's one of the other things that Japan lost when it gave up its feudal ways. Here's the official... The secret of cryogenics. Uh, here's the uh, uh, plot summary, I guess, that the Goemon Wiki put for this game. After rescuing Princess Yuki and saving Edo, Goemon and Ibisumaru decide to take a vacation at the Ryukyu Resort uh, when suddenly Sasuke appears and tells them that Japan is being threatened by the Western General McGuinness, who, along with his army of bunny men, tries to westernize Japan. Goemon... Ibisumaru and Sasuke head to Bunny Castle to stop McGinnis. As the trio chase him and his bunny men around Japan, McGinnis schemes a plan where he kidnaps several non-playable characters. So I hope that answers all of your questions about the plot. Sure does. I got no more questions here. The walkthrough author is actually a pretty good artist, by the way. I just posted... I'm not trying to be ironic here. I just posted a picture of Shadow the Hedgehog carrying a spear, wearing some nice boots. It's actually pretty, pretty damn good art. So, I'm... I'm oh, man, I'm finding out also... I'm very happy right now. Going on appears in a game called Shall We Date? Ninja Love. It's a romance <laughs> option or the player character. Beautiful. Do we know the subtitle of this one? Because one of them is like going on the reason I became a dancer, which is the greatest <laughs> subtitle I've ever heard in my life. And I may have gotten it wrong. It may have been some bullshit like whatever those jerk offs at Hardcore Gamer 101 came up with. But that's the best subtitle and I'm stealing it. Don't sue me, Konami. So appears in a manga and anime series. Bo, 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 dash, bo, bo, dash, bo, bo. Good old bo, 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 bo. I always wanted to watch that, but I actually didn't want to watch that. He's, uh, I know Goemon's most recent appearance, like every other Konami character's most recent appearance, is in uh, Bomberman R. <laughs> that makes sense. I just, okay, I'm, I'm obsessed with this walkthrough. I'm going to read some of the, the description of Goemon Impact, the mech. Goemon Impact is a mighty giant robot fighting machine created by the wise old man of Iga. He has an odd smile on his face and never seems to stop smiling. I just really love that. Impact seems friendly enough, but is very naive and will obey just about anyone who has the conch shell, which is foreshadowing for the last boss. By the way, who is Impact? By the way, you have to fight Impact for the last boss. In the year 300X, the entire world is under the tyrannical rule of the Meruhage Empire, and their ruler, Tsuru Tsurulina IV, Baldy Bald IV in the English dub, his hair hunt troop captures innocent bystanders' hair, leaving the people victims of the hair hunt troop's head shaving in their village in ruins, Standing against this evil regime is the heroic but bizarre rebel Bobo 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 Bo, who fights the Heron troop with his powerful Hanage Shinken fist of the nose hair. His team consists of the normal teen girl beauty, the smelly teen warrior Peppo Kumaru, Gasser, and the Hajiki leader Don Pach, Paparox. 
Bobo is on an exciting gag-filled quest in which he uses his hair as a weapon in many locales to fight the forces of the Maruhaga Empire as he gains other allies along the way. Nothing about exactly what involvement Goemon has in this hair combat quest. That's sad. There's a Yu-Gi-Oh card of him. Fuck. Well, there's a Yu-Gi-Oh card of me. There's a Yu-Gi-Oh card of you. Oh, it's Goe Goe, then Gallant Ninja, four-star card, warrior slash effect. When this card inflicts battle damage to your opponent, colon, your opponent must discard two random cards. Your opponents must have at least five cards in their hand for you to activate and to resolve this effect. Attack 1500, defense 1000, copyright 1996, Kazuki Takahashi. I love Yu-Gi-Oh cards. They're so simple. There's nothing, it's not Magic the Gathering where it's like, this card acts only on this kind of card, and then it creates a token of that card, and good luck, you fucking idiot, interpreting any of this. I don't like Magic, by the way. <laughs> Once I Yeah, it's the worst game ever made, I'm sorry, I, I have to say it. I, I try not to uh, be mean about games, but Yu-Gi-Oh is the worst. It's really bad, yeah. but I like it. It's really, really not good. Topa's just sore because... Yu-Gi-Oh! is the only game I've ever beaten them at. When I played my Goe Goe, the Gallant Ninja card, and also my Automatic Tiger card at the same time, which technically was breaking the rules, but Tulpa got a Mega uh, Atomic uh, Orbital Shop Drock on their whole tapped card list for that and lost immediately and they were so overwhelmed they didn't call me on my flagrant abuse of the rules and also i was using that wrist thing which is pretty (laughs) sweet it is it shoots cards out at bullet speeds and decapitates people It it pretty much rules i can't deny any of that uh in the meantime i looked up the uh mystical website of Goemon on the Internet Archive Wayback Machine. So this is some real investigation. Uh, th- this is uh, an ancient uh, website dedicated to Goemon and all its glory. It's got write-ups on every single game, it seems like. And a post bemoaning the death of Working Designs as its final post. Mm-hmm. December 13th, 2005. On a personal note, it's hard to imagine a video game world without Working Designs. I'm with you. I, I agree. Where would we be without Lunar? And, like, that punching puppet? <laughs> and, and, and the other Lunar? And what? That elemental gear bolt, golden plated light gun... And, and what, all those Bill Clinton jokes and, and what, that Goemon game that never came out. How many times was Lunar released? I think 500. It Just, was in America. It's what? Sega CD? PlayStation? DS? Uh, there was a Game Boy release of it. The DS got the There's sequel. also a PSP release. Oh my god. I remember is that Lunar just kept happening and I kept seeing it and I just I kept thinking that must be important somehow because it kept keeps occurring. There's a Japan it just keeps happening. It's just, a, it won't stop. It's just like the Superman. We live in live in the era of lunar. Should I look into lunar? 
there's the Saturn part of it too in Japan. I've never hey, played a lunar so in my life. I found the the reason I became a dancer uh, going on. It's going on for, and apparently it's the best one. There you go. So it's, so you can become a dancer in that game. Is that the sequel to this one? Uh, well, this is two, and uh, the dancer one is four, so it's the second sequel. So, um, but there, there are apparently uh, references to Doom and Street Fighter Two in uh, Gunbury Goemon Four. That's the best one, but they don't count the NES ones. Like, is already any Famicom ones not Gunbury Goemon? Uh, I think the numbering restarted for the Super Nintendo ones, and there's some guide end games that it's complicated, but basically, like, just forget the NES ones existed. Yeah, this is the second Ganbare Go- Goemon game. I mean, second Go- Ganbare Goemon 2. There are two Ganbare Goemon 2s. So, this is the first one with the Gundam, though. So this is really like the first entry in its own series. I guess if you want to think about it that way. That's how I think about everything now. Lunar Silver Star Harmony, known in Japan as Lunar Harmony of Silver Star, is the third remake of the 1992 role-playing video game Lunar the Silver Star. <laughs> the third remake. The third remake. <laughs> has, 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 it, has anyone done a Lunar remake game jam? Because I think that's a good idea. That's really good. <laughs> I'm dying. How do you remake a game three times? <laughs> Why well, remake it three times? You can remake it like three dozen times. Why not over Why the not? course of a weekend? This who's oh, ready? Yeah. This this remake was the PSP version. the The third and final was the PSP version, along with a new isometric view. The third, the fourth time they decided isometric was the way to go. The fourth time they were like, yes. Yes, isometric is the way to go. I <laughs> isometric is Whoa. never what. Well, I, I, I'm I'm doing research I'm on the game we are actually playing instead of Lunar. No, <laughs> thank well, you. I, I, I found out, despite my uh, assumptions, that Goemon actually is employed. Uh, I, in in my research, I found out what his occupation title is. Dancer. He is the warrior of good, helper of the weak. Nice. He's got a job. Yeah. Probably, probably I guess that's good why benefits. he gets money from all those old ladies. And murdering robots. Uh, did, I, did they just run out of, like, well, we've done everything else. We may as well go isometric for this one. <laughs> so this People okay. might buy it if it looks different. Jesus isometric. There also are new music. <laughs> there are three hidden stages in this game, by the way. Um, the last one is hell. Uh, it's it's hell. You have to find four demon heads and do something very specific. And then the last boss is Dracula. Like no joke, it's just Dracula from Castlevania. Apparently, you have to it's shoot Dracula. him in his head. Is Kid Dracula in this? No, unfortunately. But Kid Dracula's in Smash, motherfucker. <laughs> Kid Dracula's gonna be in my Lunar remake. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's the thing, though. You have to, like, for the other stages, you have to, like, hit a barrel in some place, and you go to, like, Bunny World, and I don't fucking know. But uh, Dracula's in this game, god damn it. It's, this is a Castlevania game. 
Yeah, and sadly, when you beat him, he then transforms into the uh, second actual boss of the game, who is some kind of flying feudal Japanese Terminator. Cool. Lunar Walking School. Walking School. That's his actual title. <laughs> is that for Game Gear? Yes. <laughs> yeah, like if, you, if you look through the uh, game arts discography, I think it's at least a third Lunar Games, like remakes. Then there's Grandia. Then there's Sylphide, Grandia, Lunar, Grandia 2, Grandia Extreme, Grandia 2, Bomberman Generation, Gun Griffin, Lunar, Grandia, Project Sylphide for an Xbox 360 exclusive game. Then you have Smash Brothers Brawl. Then a PlayStation 3, you know, release of Grandia, which was just the PlayStation I saw. Then a Ninja Turtles game. Then another Lunar. Then Ragnarok Odyssey. Then a game called Dokuro, which I kind of remember. It kind of looked like Japan learned about, like, uh, who's the guy who did Johnny the Homicidal Maniac in Invader Zim? Dionan Vasquez? Yeah, it kind of looks like Japan learned about him, and then they released another Grandia. And I'm glad I just ran down the list of Game Arts uh, 21st Century releases on this Super Nintendo podcast. Thank Walking you. Walking School. <laughs> okay, I want to do... <laughs> Walking one, School. <laughs> I want to do one last, one last investigation note. This walkthrough is so pure and so good. And I'm going to tell you one of the special thanks. One of the special thanks goes to Cookie Mon Impact. Who's Cookie Mon? I hear you all cry. She's my mother. Credit goes to her for looking after me when I fell ill while writing this walkthrough and doing her best to nurse me back to health. Also for being proud of my FAQs and congratulating me on getting my work onto major websites. If it weren't for her getting me back on track, this walkthrough would have never got finished. I've, it's so amazing. That's the- um, sounds like her mother took her through a real walking school. God damn it! And hey, Wikipedia—that's very said sweet. Lunar Walking School was co-developed by Urguys, as in <laughs> God bless the ring. It's not listed on the actual entry, but it's listed on the Game Arts page. Just, just something to think about. I don't know if it's an actual developer or what. The lead characters from Walking School are from a town called Berg. That's what you name a town. You name a town Berg when you make a game subtitled Walking School. Berg. Oh my god. I I know we're really in the weeds here, but could we spend just like one second talking about the anime? Because I know we were hype about that a little bit ago. Oh yeah, let's talk about the anime. Let's talk about that because I haven't seen any of it. Please, please. Uh, yeah, it's... Okay, so it's Japanese Captain N, except instead of a variety of Nintendo characters, it's just Goemon. Oh, okay. It also has a horny grandpa, right? Yeah, that's the guy who built Goemon Impact. Yeah, and he's always talking about cuties. Yeah. So it's you, basically, Bachelor. His name is Old Wise Man. That, that's... (laughs) Replace cuties with Gundams? That's it. There it is. You're a perv for Gundams. 
And uh, for whatever reason, Goemon is voiced by uh, Vic Miyagana. Is that how you pronounce his name? He's, you know, the guy did uh, Edward Elric and also apparently directed that, that Sakura Khan commercial where they said Garugamesh. Oh, nice. Garugamesh. I don't think we ever actually aired uh, that commercial in Anime Club. Time to change things. We did show the anime. We watched it. It has a very high speed. It's it's maybe a four on the Garzi's wing scale. You know, very fast paced. But like, we couldn't find a rip that wasn't like sped up to like beat Content ID on YouTube. We found we found one, but it was yeah. only the first half of the episode. Only yeah. the f- first half of the first episode. What? Yeah, and so yeah, so we had to find another one that was not only sped up to be like I don't know. It was missing, like, it wasn't missing. It was, like, one, 25% shorter than it should have been, or faster, I don't know. And also, the video quality was the worst thing I've seen since, like, downloading, I don't know, real media rips off Hotline in 2002, and I'm not old enough to drink. But um, <laughs> it was an experience. It was a very interesting approach to take for Goemon, that Goemon's, you know, Captain N. I forget the rest of it. It was good. In a way. Yeah, like, he's got to fight this guy named Seppuku Maru, who I think an evil kid, like, is working with in the real world, and he wants to take over the real world from an arcade or something. So it's basically superhuman samurai cyber Goemon. Seppuku Maru is the villain in Gambari Goemon 4, so maybe the anime ties in with that game. Did you know there's a website called findagrave.com? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm trying to dig up this person who wrote the uh, the walkthrough. I'm pretty sure they're not dead, but I did Literally end up... Dig up this person! <laughs> Oops, my bad. <laughs> Look, that, I, I've been on findagrave.com. Hold on, I'm going to go check my DDD to Natural Playboys notes, because there's an extensive section about find a grave. <laughs> Maybe you will... T- you will be able to find a grave or two in that game. Oh, this is creeping me out. This is I can't I looked up my own last name. There's a number of Alice's, which is a bit creepy. Can you find a grave for the Lunar franchise? I'm gonna look up Lunar as a last name. Barbara Jean Lunar, seventeen February nineteen forty seven to third June nineteen eighty, buried in Houston, Harris County, Texas, USA. <laughs> Is is dead. Crystal Lunar, unknown to 2000. Th- that sounds like the right one. Speaking of finding things, uh, did anybody find any of the minigames, the Konami minigames inside of Gambari Goemon 2? Is there oh. a Pashi Slow built into Gambari Goemon 2? No, but there are um, there's a level from Zexex, which is uh, an arcade shmup. Yeah, there's a 3D racing game, and there's apparently some other shooter in there, at the very least. Wait, did I totally goof by not entering the Konami code in this game? Oh, shit. I'm doing it right now. We're a bunch of fake gamer girls up in here. Holy shit. (laughs) I think I've proven I'm the fakest of them all. We're, we're all fake. <laughs> maybe maybe you put in the Konami code, Clint, and that's why you weren't taking damage. You know that I do do that, like, without even knowing I'm doing it on every single time I pick up a controller. 
it causes a lot of problems actually when I'm playing Monster Hunter because I'll put down the controller to type something, pick it up, and I just do. I don't even know what. It's it's a it's a problem. Uh, shit. Okay. Um, <laughs> unless the Konami code does something. I think we should move on to Revelation. So we've been at this for a while. Um, um, oh. There's one last note I want to make, which yes, is please. if you go to the Hardcore Gaming 101 page for this game, there is a screenshot of Goemon talking to the Rocket Knight Adventures guy. That's normal. What? Really? Yeah. Well, now I have to find this. Hold on. You mean the possum? I posted oh, the screen. Holy! Whoa! That's great. That's that. That's the possum. All right. How much? How much Goonies two DNA is in this game? I think a lot, except for the fact that it doesn't have any of the weird, you know, secrets. But it does have a thing it, where you enter a room like that? That it, that perspective. It totally has like an entire secret level where you fight Dracula, though. Mm. Whoa! Uh, oh my God! It's Gradius. The Rocket Knight is the possum's name. Sparkster. This is important. Yeah, Armon is talking to Sparkster. The game. The game was called Sparkster in certain territories, wasn't it? One it's of two the, separate games. Oh, one of the games I is called often, Sparkster. I haven't called you Sparkster. If you enter the Konami code in three of the Yu-Gi-Oh PSP games. You unlock going on cards. Whoa! What? 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 <laughs> That's amazing. I did not think that would actually connect with Goemon when you started that sentence, and I'm really impressed now. I'm so good at reading things off Wikipedia, you won't believe it. Why, <laughs> why is everything we've talked about linked in some way? The small world. And it's because this is a Gundam game, and right now everything is Gundam. Are there dungeon parts to this game? That possum is in a tiny Gundam. Wait, is is that a, a Penguin Wars tribute? There's a Penguin Wars ping pong Whoa. looking tribute. There's a dungeon. I don't know where that is. It uses a completely different sprite, I think. What the fuck is going yeah, on? You just walk through and get some treasure. Like, you pay a person 100 coins, and they're like, go on, and I went through it, and that just takes it to the next level. I, I had no idea what was going on. This is incredible. The Game Boy Advance version, here's the 3D racing section. What the oh, fuck, so man? Oh, so that's YY Racers, a.k.a. the better Mario Kart. <laughs> yeah. And also, remember when they released that new Penguin Wars and, like, the Penguin had a wang on the box? <laughs> I didn't get that. I think you I dreamed of that. remember every time that I've seen a Penguin with a wang. It's right there, baby. <laughs> oh that was gosh. like, that, that's... That's one of the 501 games of all time. It has a dongle. That's a double dongle. Yeah, it's that rare mythical penguin double dongle. That is not just a nub. (laughs) More than a nub. (laughs) Less than a dongle, though, maybe. A double nubble. More than a nub. Okay. Penguin Wars is number 453 on the 501 games of all time. I recommend if you're listening to this podcast and you're not a select button member, you register and you go to the axe and you read that thread because it's the best thread that's ever been made. Thank you. 
Yeah, the 501 Games of all time is a very good thread, and I'm looking forward to its completion and also equally dreading it being finished. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna take it over without permission just to do extensive write-ups in the Lunar franchise. <laughs> Please do. Without Please playing do. them. Please do. <laughs> all right, we got to move on. We got to move on to Revelation, which is our Revelation music cue here. Our final topic, where we go over uh, the, our, our bottom line reviews of this game, uh, which is, of course, a select button tradition. So I have one which isn't very good, which is uh, Goemon 2 is a fever dream of a very bad Japanese historian. Bang, on the nose. There I am. What else? Do we have any others? I got, I got a couple. Hell yeah. Uh, it is to Super Nintendo what Contra Hardcore is to Genesis. Ooh, I like that. Ooh, that's good. Oh, this is what? I already forgot. Horny oh, Kirby. Wow. <laughs> that's it. I that's just remembered it. it. Someone else go and I can copy your uh, phrasing. I, uh, Gunbari Goemon 2 is a better gloss on the Satsuma Rebellion than Edward Zwick and Tom Cruise's towering masterwork of cinema, The Last Samurai. <laughs> Gumbari Goman 2 is the uh, drunken, horny version of Kirby Superstar. I, I also wrote down Goemon 2 is horny Castlevania. But that's just me stealing from you. I'm sorry. Gumbari Goemon 2 is yet another Super Nintendo game better than Yoshi's Island. Gunbara Goemon 2 is the video game that uh, Yoshioki Tomino, creator of Gundam, was not allowed to create because it didn't have enough giant robots in it. And it was too horny. Gunbara Goemon gets into arguments with various horny history teachers. (laughs) (laughs) Gunbara Goemon 2 is Super Mario World for historians. Nice. Ganbare Goemon 2 is the best Power Rangers game. Ganbare Goemon 2 is a hate crime against uh, Portuguese missionaries. <laughs> Ganbare Goemon 2 is WarioWare the platformer? Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Does that mean this is like a secret Wario game? It kind of is, because you use money for your attacks, you get money for everything you do, and you get to pilot a giant mech. That one doesn't quite line up. I would I'm... love a Wario Mech game. Oh, so hell yeah. I would buy a Switch. That would be a killer app. Well, there was that weird thing on the Wii U that they tried to do where you drove a mech and then they never released it because it looked terrible. Well, I wouldn't have cared. Imagine how good that would be. Just like finding junk and making a mech out of it. Like making a cardboard mech. Making I mean, like, that's practically Gundam Breaker. That, and, yeah. then, and then you could fart as your mech. Oh, man, yeah. You could more, the, first. The more cheese-covered like covered pizza boxes you find, the bigger your farts. 
What if? Oh, you know, it'd be a good mix for a Wario game is uh, Rocket Slime on the DS, where you have those big tanks and you just load whatever random shit you found in the rest of the levels into the cannons and shoot them at each other. That could work real well for a Wario theme, especially if you had a bunch of coins and you could upgrade your mech and shit. That'd be good. Wario would put a thing on his butt and he would fart into it and it would go into the fart amplifier and then his Gundam would fart. Mm-hmm. A big, a big, a big Gundam fart. Big and Gundam it fart. Be, it would be a fart so Gundam that even Gundams would pass out. <laughs> it's, it's a nanobot fart. <laughs> Nano fart. <laughs> Messes up their systems. This is nanobots. Also farts. Killer app 2020. Get at me, Nintendo. I just <laughs> fixed all your problems. Get at Are me, you Elon problems? Musk. I don't know. <laughs> Elon Musk. This is the one real contribution you can make to the world. Wario farting that game. <laughs> Fart amplifiers. F- fund it. Ah, Christ. I'm supposed to come up with a mystery topic. But I just remembered that we have that. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, nope, I got nothing. I got nothing. Mystery topic is going on a good game. Yes. Nope, that's not it. Yes. What's your favorite Gundam? Mystery topic. What's your favorite Gundam? And would you put a fart amplifier in it? No. I would put a fart amplifier in Tequila Gundam. Yes. My favorite Gundam is the one with the big windmill on the front. I liked that one Gundam that got posted in the thread that I said was a good Gundam because it was green and looked like a chunky boy. That's all I remember. I hope it was a Gundam, and I wouldn't put a fart amplifier on it because I don't want to. uh, That's Wario's thing. Wait, they made an entire, like, spin-off series of SD Gundam that's entirely about SD Gundam recreating, like, Sengoku period battles and stuff. So I really do think Ganbara Goemon is just already, like, canonically Gundam at this point. Um, my favorite Gundam, I think, is probably Nisei Gundam. But if that doesn't count because it's not really a Gundam, then Satan Gundam. They're all Gundams. In my heart. Oh, then my favorite Gundam is Pat Labor. <laughs> my favorite Gundam is Wing Gundam Zero, and I would not put a fire amplifier on it. Okay, to be honest, I do like the horribly racist Mexican Gundam because... Of the way they turn, they weaponize the sombrero. It's just so stupid. Also, the cactus shoulder armor. That's like also, yeah. I, I, I take that back. I don't like the racist Mexican Gundam. I like. I'm looking at the Gundams on my desk. I like the one with the mustache. Oh, turn A. Yeah, that one. Yeah, this has nothing at all. This should probably be deleted entirely. This has nothing to do at all with... Sure. I'm fading real fast. <laughs> I just googled fart amplifier Gundam 
not a lot here, but there is a topic on Reddit called Toilets are Perfectly Designed to Act as Fart Amplifiers. And there is a YouTube video, which I refuse to watch, called Turbo Farter, hyphen, a high-tech fart booster with fart compressor and powerful fart amplifier. So, there you go. The rim, the rim of the Mecha Sombrero, it just, there are missiles pointed in all directions, and they just shoot out in all directions. So I did so... Gundam seeking missiles. Oh, it's, it's got still it's, so silly. It's got more cactus than I thought. Yeah, it's got a lot of cactus. Yeah, they just announced the Blu-ray collection that if you buy it, you get a tequila Gundam shot glass. I really kind of want all of the French Gundams, especially the one that looks like uh, Napoleon with the rose cannon. Do any yeah. of them have a beret that shoots missiles? Somehow, no. Do any of them have a torpedo baguette? No. I asked these same questions in the car last week with Tulpa. Is there an Italian... Uh, there is an Italian Gundam. An Italian Gundam with a torpedo baguette? The, wind- <laughs> the windmill Gundam converts to flight mode and puts the windmill on the bottom. That's good. That's really wonderful. So wait, Nero Gundam is the Italian one? There's Nero's Gundam and Ferrari Gundam. (laughs) Does does Ferrari, like, I I would think, thanks to Mario, I think they were, you know, in touch with a very, I don't know, similar stereotype that we would be. What if Michael Mann scrapped his like maybe he already has because it was a troubled pre-production but what if he scrapped his Ferrari biopic and just made a movie about a Ferrari Gundam and he's really old so that might be his last movie that'd be cool yeah I'd watch it would it be as good as Pain and Gain which I haven't seen but I'm pretending is actually good uh I would imagine it would be better. Is is Leopard Da Vinci an Italian Gundam? No, just a Gundam pilot. Wait. Oh, man. We're getting <laughs> to a bad area here. <laughs> Let's go. No, Leopard Da Vinci is, in fact, the name of one of the Gundams in Gundam oh. Build Fighters Try. Oh, it is. Okay, sorry. I'm getting tired, and we are so far in the fields on this episode. <laughs> we are... Yeah, please delete every mention of Gundams. I don't want to go to jail. I want this podcast to continue. It'd be really cool if the Lunar franchise featured just one Gundam. Jesus Christ. If it was the story of a Gundam... <laughs> Through the ages of the lunar universe. All right. Let's... Like, as it passed from owner to owner, and they did Gundam things, they battled other Gundams, they had, like, fighting spirit episodes. Shrug. That's what they call those, right? Gundam <laughs> walking school. There we go, yeah. Teach the Gundam oh, how to walk to school. Uh, Are there that's... any Gundams, Gundam games where you take your Gundam? 
That's Which it for this podcast. What's going on with these dates? <laughs> you really don't because, like, I've Googled Gundam hentai numerous oh, times. Oh, God. Over the last okay. Time. <laughs> We're done. We're look, done. Look, it just showed the pilots. It didn't show anything, any sort of romantic interaction between Gundams. And that's really disappointing. Like, maybe I don't know the proper words because I'm new to this. Would a Gundam maybe. fuck the Statue of Liberty? The answer is yes. And that's of course. it. Yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, it. The problem is that they're Gundam, literally basically. across the street from each other in Japan. There's a giant Gundam and there's a remake of the Statue of Liberty literally across the street. Okay, we need to stop this podcast. <laughs> That's it for this I podcast. Hey, Shrug, Shrug. How long the Statue of Liberty would last, honestly? Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, All right. She's pretty small. We're going to have to yeah. crunch the numbers here. Where like the surface is <laughs> the surface is made out of copper. I've lost control. Is. This is it. I quit the podcast. <laughs> I'm done. I'm the worst host in the world. Hey, that's it for this podcast. Hey everybody, where can people find you if they want more of you? Uh you can find me as at Automatic Tiger on Twitter and as Gentleman Tiger on the Select Button forums. I am Sakurina. You can find me at Sakurina on Twitter. That's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And by the time you hear this, uh, Swan Song will have started over again, which is my chronological look through all of the Wonder Swan games, which includes a lot of horrible Gundam games. Uh, so you can go find that at swansong.ws. Uh, I'm Shrug. I'm at Shrugopolis on Twitter. I'm Shrug on the forums. Uh, and the copper cladding that covers the Statue of Liberty is only three thirty seconds of an inch thick, so that Gundam's tearing right through there in a, in an instant. That's going to be a serious act of vandalism. R.I.P. Lady Liberty. I'm uh, at Bastrosoft on Twitter, on Instagram, which I don't really use. I'm on the forums. I'm the author of the five hundred one games of all time which is the best thread in forum history, all the forums. And you can find me on bashersoft.com and at Patreon. whatever Bashersoft. I need money so I can buy Gundams. Please give me money. Thank you. I'm Talpa. You can find me on the forums as Talpa. You can find me dungeon mastering uh, the ancient game of Dungeons and Dragons for people, including Shrug, uh, on the podcast No Rangers Allowed. And you can find me on Twitter as Memorious Tulpa, not posting very often and still losing followers. Please <laughs> unfollow me. Uh, and you can probably find me where you least expect behind for you more, for more thickness of metal asides listen to no rangers allowed it's true yeah i've i've heard a number of metal asides um all right i've been virtual clint you can find me on twitter at virtual clint i'm on the forums as virtual clint always a surprise um and that's you know that's it I, I i eventually i'll be on a no rangers allowed sub episode if i ever fucking edit it 
I still have another podcast to edit, by the way. I've had, I have one just sitting in the can, just waiting for me. Anyway, here's the part where I tell you what you can do to help us. If you like this podcast, spread the word. Tell your massage therapist. Tell your weird onesie wearing creepy uncle. Or just tweet about us. The only way people find out about us is through word of mouth. Uh, so it really helps. It's, it's wonderful. I've, I've seen our listening audience grow very slowly over the past year and some months. And it's, it's been really, really cool. Uh, rating and reviewing on iTunes also really helps. And, uh, maybe one day we'll be the top podcast on iTunes and I can just tell the McElroys to suck my, uh, Gundam. We have a website. You can find it at SNES.zone, S-N-E-S.zone. It has links to our Twitter feed, which is where you can vote for the next game. Uh, short bios and social media links for everybody, except Tiger, who I, you sent it to me and I fucking didn't put it on the website. What's wrong with me? Uh, <laughs> and there's other fun, weird crap. I recently redid it so it's mobile friendly, so you can even use your phone as long as you like crappy websites. If you want us to read anything out on the podcast, email me really at snes at snes.zone. SNES at snes.zone. You can tell us what you think about the podcast. You could review an upcoming game or just generally berate us, whatever you want to do. Uh, finally, we've now got a Patreon page. The podcast is always going to be free. I will not charge you for this garbage, but your support helps us pay for server costs, new equipment, and eventually just paying people to be on the cast. Uh, we've got tiers for as low as a dollar. And you can pledge for things like joining our private Discord. You could even dictate games for us to play, like Topa mentioned at the very beginning. You could even start on the podcast yourself if you've just got the cash to throw at us. And at any tier, I'll send you exclusive clips of things I cut out of the podcast, which I actually did last week for once, uh, or I'll let you know when the thing comes out. Patreon.com slash Snexploration or bankaccount.zone. Much easier to remember. As always, for more inane video game discussion, jump into the select button.net forums where we are all at the next podcast maybe will be on september 9th uh maybe not because i am moving across the country and trying to sell my house and also buy another house and also monster monster hunter is out on pc and that's been a real problem uh we've switched the voting system thanks again to tulpa uh we already know what game we're playing next which is uh daikaiju monogatari which has an english translation it's a jrpg it's really exciting uh but you can still vote you'll actually have a full week to vote on it when this comes out and the next three games that we may be playing are dimension force or d force which is a much worse name i don't know what that is much better <laughs> snow white in happily ever after which i can only imagine uh... is amazing <laughs> and indiana jones greatest adventures which i had as a kid and you know i'm oh. going for that oh god that's okay it's oh, fucking terrible <laughs> this is a very perilous vote we're walking into. <laughs> it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> oh god. Wait, that... what was the first what was the first game? I'm sorry. D-Force. D-Force. Do I want to know what the D-Force is? D DM Bachelor for details. <laughs> I'm looking it up cuz I don't know what D-Force is. Oh god, I looked oh, up it's Oh, it's a shmup. Oh, okay, cool. Rad. Okay, we'll a vote for that maybe. Shmup. <laughs> Where you defeat an evil Middle Eastern dictator. That might be the most right-wing game we ever play. Oh, no. Ah, jeez. Except for Holy Umbrella. Um, so Holy Umbrella was not the most right-wing game we've ever played. No, yeah, that's you true. you find money in the toilet in that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, until next time, it's not Gundam Wing Endless Duel. It's not... Uh... Mystical Ninja starring Goemon. It's not Holy Umbrella. 
It's not... It's not Lunar Dragon Song. It's not funny to laugh at the Gundam with the windmill on its chest. <laughs> it's not Gundam Breaker. It's not The Last Samurai. <laughs> and as always, it's not Chuck Rock. One of these days it will be, and then the podcast will end. Thank you, as always, to Schnabubula for his incredible track, playing Super Mario World while taking mushrooms. Also, thanks to our regular guest, Bachelor, for the incredible art that we have now. Go check out uh, Bachelor Soft on Twitter. And as always, thank you for listening. Bye-bye.